Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 59 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. And today we're going to talk about how to brand yourself as a filmmaker. But first, as always, what are we drinking? Alex, what are you oh, drinking? Oh yeah, I am drinking um, in my specially crafted um, beer bottle koozie. Oh. That's made specifically <laughs> for beer bottles. So you just stapled the sides of the hive uh, can koozie <laughs> to make it a little bit thinner. Yeah. Well, it turns out that bottles fit in any regular koozie. Um, <laughs> this is a little extra room. <laughs> a blue moon. A blue moon. Oh, excellent. Harvest I got excited wheat. because you said, ah, oh, harvest wheat. I got excited because you said you were in a special container. So I went and got my growlers filled from uh, Golden Road. Mm. So I have my special container, my uh, kielbasa festival. Yes. From a Polish deli in Minneapolis. And I filled it with uh, Golden Road's Wolf Pup Session IPA. So IPA. All right. Yeah. Um, So I apologize if you hear this a lot in the podcast. That's me closing the the metal lid on my my stein. But Podcast approved. um, I was a little worried. I was a little worried because, you know, uh, we usually do this podcast later in the afternoon. Today we're doing it a little earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, Which means I, you know, I... Yeah, I rarely eat breakfast, and so by the time we do our podcast, normally I've had lunch. Uh, ah, so you're worried, worried that you're going to be uh, under the table by the end of this? Well, you know, I mean, a nice little, you know, uh, I'm probably got about two or three beers in the stein uh, at 4.5 ABV. Now, not the worst in the world. I've I've done much worse to myself, but I haven't had to, you know, keep a conversation going. So if you hear snoring at some point, maybe it's because I haven't eaten anything all day and I'm drinking a bunch of beer early in the morning and I just passed out. That's true. Also, well, you have nothing child. to worry about because this is actually a bottle that I pulled out of the trash and filled with whiskey. <laughs> I would, oh my God, that would be the greatest thing in the whole wide world if that was true. Fantastic. <laughs> love your thinking uh so okay so what's new um again not much in the time of quarantine uh it's almost baby time for alex yeah coming up on we're thinking within the week within the week definitely definitely gonna schedule an inducement if this baby is like clawing onto the uteri uh, for much longer (laughs) so so your wife has two uteruses uteri um Just holding on to that placenta for dear life. Just making sure yeah. it stays attached to the wall. Exactly. He's okay. Just so well, we'll welcome, see. my friend, to the oncoming parenthood. It's a it's a trip. Um, yeah. That's why I drink so much, and why I really, really hope I get drunk from four or five, you know, IPAs <laughs> before eating anything all day. Excellent. Yep. I'm glad I can uh, contribute to your um, yeah your excellent fatherhood. Um, Thank skills. you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, you know what? Budweiser has called me the father of the year. (laughs) So (laughs) I'll take that to the bank. Yeah. Um, Nice. So we got, I got a question for you and this could turn into the question of the day, but I got a hypothetical for you. I want to see what you think about this. Hypothetical. Great. Um, Yeah. So you used to live like you last two places you've lived have been like right now you're in a standalone uh, little house. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before that you were in like a very small three unit apartment complex behind a house. But before that you lived in a 
large compound. Yeah, a um, compound, a complex, some might say. A complex area. Um, yeah, yeah, complex. The two times uh, before that known, I lived in. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So before, okay, this is before Brie, um, when you lived at uh, Promount Towers. Okay. You were uh, known, and we have made much fun of it, of your, uh, you know, garbage whiskey and how you'd pull things that people had left to throw down the chute, and it yes. was still usable, so you'd use it. Yeah, sure. All right. Okay, so, well, we, first of all, let's be fair. Garbage whiskey, I didn't drink it. I took one sip and gave it to your wife. That's true. <laughs> that would give people an idea of my wife. She's like, wait, whiskey that was sitting by the garbage? Absolutely. Bring it over here. Um, and it tasted horrible, and yet we found out it was like an actual high-end whiskey. Yes, um, very high-end. Okay. But, but in that vein, in that vein, you probably weren't there in the, in the time of a Postmates and you know uh, Uber Eats and all that. No. But if you woke up one morning and somebody had left – an obvious wrong delivery, i.e. like they left something like, uh, let's just say Jack in the Box order in front of your door with somebody yeah. else's name on it. It was, the bag was sealed. Yeah. Um, and obviously it was some, for someone else. Okay. Uh, say you tried to figure out who it was, couldn't find it out. Would you eat said contents of the uh, Jack in the Box bag or would you not? Would I eat it as opposed to throw it away? Yes. Of course I would eat it. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. I now, mean, again, it's like, this is just a hypothetical, but hypothetically, <laughs> I did that this morning. Um, so. It's like if you can't find the person, right? Yeah. Like it's probably yeah. The the next thing that would happen is you would throw it away. So I would either eat it if I was hungry, okay. or you know, give yeah. it like walk outside your door two steps to the nearest homeless person and give it to him. You know. Yeah, well, I'm not that nice of a person. So, uh, oh, you know what? I, I guess I could change that. I shouldn't be too worried. I did eat this morning, and it hypothetically was Jack in the Box that somebody had delivered to my door that uh, was not for me. Wow. Uh, so I should be fine. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I did eat that this morning. Um, but the, the, the look my wife gave me was like, that's probably poison. Someone's trying to kill us. Um, now, you I don't have that many enemies. I don't have that many friends. Uh, so She should be, be commending but, uh, you for throwing yourself yeah. on that sword because... She well, could have accidentally exactly. eaten it, and it may have been poisonous. But you yeah, it's like sacrificed the, uh, yourself and your own safety to protect her. True love. True love right there. Or the, the if I didn't eat it, the poison could have seeped through the bag into our apartment and thus killed us all. Right. It's like the guy who eats the, the, drinks the drink and eats the food before the king to see if it, there's poison in there. That's right. Uh, I am a, I'm a savior. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, it was a nice little, it was hypothetically, it was a very nice little, little grab bag. Um, Look at so that. I was very happy. I like, I, I like the I, things I, I have that it in nowadays my people are delivering things like Jack in the box, like something That's I would never right. even consider about like getting delivered. Deliver. Because you can literally never get out of your car and go get Jack in the box. Like you go into your car, you drive, you come back home, you never have left your car and you've got Jack in the box. Yeah. Like, and then I haven't, I mean, anyway, it's. That's crazy. But, um, yeah, totally. That seems like a normal I would, thing to do. I would, I would not say I'm a rich man in any way, nor if I ever became a rich man, would I ever feel that I should pay like a $5 delivery charge on a five ninety nine breakfast combo <laughs> from Jack in the Box. Like, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, I guess I guess that's just some people. That's their that's their jam. So yeah, right in the middle uh, of yeah. something, can't can't leave. I get it. Yeah, you know, sometimes. but exact. But except, I woke up at eight, and it was out in the front of my door. Well, that's another mystery. Cold. Did it come last night? 
and you had no clue. Jack yeah, and Buck serves breakfast all day. That's true. And there were some jalapeno poppers in there and some cake. So it's like, but but, but it was too. Who, it was, yeah. who in their right mind orders cake from Jack in the Box? <laughs> must have been a birthday. Uh, uh, must have oh, been. Oh, man, you ruined someone's uh, birthday. <laughs> oh, I changed oh, my answer. Sorry, Cody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was jalapeno poppers, two breakfast sandwiches, and a cake. Wow. So. Bizarre. Hats off. All right. Well, hypothetically, it was that. Hypothetically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, hypothetical question. Now, if, if you want to move on to a question of the day where we both get asked a question, that's fine. But if you okay. feel that we have really hit it, the nail on the head with uh, Jack in the mysterious Jack in the Box, you know, hypothetical. We have, at the risk of, um, you know, everyone hating this episode, I'm going to do it anyway. But we're going to do a yeah, different fun, one. Funbot's the only one who's going to hate it. It's not going to be as open ended. So okay. maybe it'll take less time. It's going to be a would, would you rather question. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 Here we go. I'm, I'm ready. All right. Nail it. Would you rather spend mm-hmm. a year living at a nudist colony or within an Amish community? I think. See, the question's flawed because I feel like Both. it would rather. It should rather be. <laughs> should rather be. Does a nudist colony want me living with them for a year? Yeah. <laughs> And see this disaster of a body, <laughs> or would the Amish like me there? Because I would just sneak my cell phone in. Uh, I would probably say, um, I mean, I gotta go Amish, and there's only one reason I would do Amish over the nudist colony, and that's because I am ugly naked. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> other than that, I feel like without technology, I would probably like, you know, get like. I'd be like, hey, guys, I'm going to sit out butter churning this time. I'm going to go write a script. Or oh, like, interesting. You know, like, like, oh, hey, guys, uh, you know what? This barn looks like you guys got this bar re- barn raising yourselves. I'm going to go, you know, write a, write a script or, or start outlining a book or something like that. I feel like I would welcome the release from technology. Uh, you know, have you seen on Facebook all these things like $1 million if you live on this event, like this island with a castle, but no, you know, TV, no cell phone, blah, 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 for five months. I'm like, really? Like, okay. I, I'd do that Wait. now. I'm not allowed to bring my wife and kids. Uh, can we do it 50 months, please? Jackpot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's why I do Amish community. Uh, only because I feel like... Um, also, because if I was in the nudist colony and I had my cell phone because I was allowed to, where would I put it? Like, I had no pockets. That's true. That's yeah. true. I put it in one of the rolls of my belly, and then like you'd have to get one of those cases that has like those micro suctions on it, and you could just suction it to like <laughs> the side of your leg. <laughs> All right, Alex. Same question. <laughs> you know, I think if I had to choose. I would be looking at it more as like an investigative journalist. <laughs> From your history of investigative journalism. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so I would obviously choose the Amish country so that I could find out uh, once and for all the secret to their fireplace, their, their fireless fireplaces. Oh, um, Wow. Because te- obviously they can't have te- they can't use they can't technology. Have in those fires. So and how does it work? Electricity in those. Yeah. Yeah. So, black magic. Maybe. I guess okay. we'll find out in my next article. Yeah. 
<laughs> for medium. My expose. <laughs> Fireless fireplaces. <laughs> Uncovered. Fact or fiction. Yeah. It's going to be the um, next right. dopest Netflix documentary. God, it probably would be. Netflix is just wants all the content. Uh, <laughs> which, by the way, I don't know if you've seen, uh, Bert has a uh, special on Netflix called The Cabin. I did see. Excellent. I um, did see. I haven't seen it. So, but I saw neither. it. Me either. It's one of those uh, where it's, if I find it interesting, yeah. but to me it borders uh, a reality TV realm that I don't like. Like True. Like having a bunch forced of people- Forced into activities. Forced into activities. Like it seems very much like a, like a big brother-y style format that, I don't know. I would much rather just like follow them around like doing- normal stuff that wasn't like so sort of like pre-planned and obviously like meant to be shenanigans, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like everyone who seems to be appearing, so I'll, I'll give it a shot, but I'm with you on that. I, I feel like, like there was a clip of Bert getting, like they're going like, like harvesting honey and then like a bee gets into Bert's like suit and stings him. And I'm like, I don't know if that really happened or he was just doing that to get laughs. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah. I'll check so, it out. I'll you check know. It yeah. Uh, so now that we've wasted everyone's time, uh, the topic at hand. So yes. a while ago, we talked about building a broad audience, which kind of like branding your movie and getting an audience base uh, for a specific movie. But then Alex brought up the question, what about branding yourself as a filmmaker? Um, if you think about like, hate, love him or hate him, people like Michael Bay, he has a kind of brand uh, of movies, sure. um, which is why... Um, Pain and Gain was kind of a nice departure for him. It wasn't as much explosion ease and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Fincher has a, has a, a brand. Spielberg has a b- brand. Um, yeah. And so uh, how do you go about when you're an uh, independent filmmaker and kind of starting out or, you know, you've, you've done a bunch of things, but you kind of want to brand yourself so you're more well-known. How does one go about doing that? So that's what we're going to talk about. Yes, exactly. Um, and I think... I think it starts off with you got to figure out what kind of filmmaker you want to be. Um, you know, uh, I think of in terms of like your style, your uh, the way you work, and also your uh, genre, if you want one, uh, that you want to work in. Because I think branding comes down to uh, attracting an audience, and that's easiest to do when you have a genre, and you can, you can find those people uh, a lot easier if you have a genre that you want to stick to because you can find people that are fans of that specific genre. Yeah. I also think it has to do with um, figuring out what kinds of stories you want to tell because I think a lot of times people want to tell, um, you know, one of the reasons they want to make movies is to tell specific stories. And a lot of times they kind of mm-hmm. um, share themes and they share ideas. And then also talking about how you tell the story comes down to again your style not only like visually but as Mm -hmm. a a writer or as a director um and all of that can sort of lend itself to this idea of you as a filmmaker having a brand um yeah that's a little bit more um sort of i don't know over time you develop a brand that way yeah so i'd be curious Um to hear your thoughts about developing a brand when you don't have a body of work that essentially speaks for itself as being your brand. Do you, do you know what I'm I saying? Think it, 
you know, I get what you're saying. I think it comes down to kind of like we did for building an audience for a broad movie, uh, a broad, uh, you know, action movie or a comedy or something like that. I think if you embed yourself in the community of the, the kind of brand you want, uh, you know, if you, if you want stories to tell documentaries, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there of people who love documentaries. I think if you don't have a body of work to show, become a student, you know, watch a lot of the movies and, and join in on discussions on the movies that you like and that you want to recreate. If you're a horror, if you want to brand yourself as a horror director or horror filmmaker, you know, watch a lot of horror movies and then go onto horror message boards and be like, and just talk to people. And, and you know, it's kind of the same idea. We talked a while ago about how those guys were doing a, I think it was the Appalachian trail documentary. And so yeah. they jumped on like trail, uh, hiking, message boards and all that and just got to know the community. And then by the time that their documentary came out, they already had this base of uh, fans. And I think it's the same idea is that if you want to do your, build your brand without having a big body of work or any body of work, ingrain yourself in the community that you want to be branded in, because that'll help you kind of like be known without having anything to show to be known for. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think um, that comes down to, Kind of like an important part, which I think is when you're developing your brand, it's hard to sort of force it. You know, it really, it should be you. Um, yeah. And so you shouldn't try to necessarily like fabricate a brand. But what you should do is sort of um, uh, explore what it is about yourself that already exists um, that you want to sort of highlight. Um, and so... Yeah. In theory, you wouldn't mind going on to these communities and sort of like becoming more involved in them because you're already mm -hmm. very interested and part of that community maybe already. Um, yeah, don't force it. Like it, your brand should be because it's what you like. So like, like it shouldn't be like, you know, kind of like what we do when we, uh, when we talk about, um, you know, what I was talking about, like, you know, doing movies uh, that are just for the paycheck and stuff like that. It also, it, it shouldn't be like something where it's like, you're doing a brand because you think that's a popular brand right now. Like, like, oh, well, Fincher got movies made like this, so I'm going to do it like this. You know what I mean? Like, it should be easy to create your brand because it's what you like. Like, you like horror movies. Uh, we like horror movies. So our brand of horror, like, filmmakers... Uh, wouldn't be that like big of a stretch because we like engaging in horror movies or sci-fi. Um, it should be pretty easy because again, you like, um, like you said, it's something you like. So it's not like a chore to go onto these message boards and talk to people because you like horror movies or you like yeah. you know, documentaries. And I also think that boiling down the concept of a brand, really all, mm -hmm. it, all it is, is um, sort of dialing in, your what you put out there as like a public um for public view you know yeah so like yeah and, and pushing certain factors forward so if you want to brand yourself as like the guy who writes the funniest comedies around or whatever um yeah it's not you better uh, have some good fucking comedies well yeah you should be able to deliver on whatever <laughs> promises you put out there but at the same time, it's it's about sort of um, uh, taking these ideas 
and bringing them to the forefront of people's minds when you come up in conversation or when they search for you online or whatever. So it's kind of like um, uh, stacking a deck in your, f in your favor where, with all mm -hmm. these different elements that align to equal that message. So in my yeah. mind, it would be including things like your online presence. If you have social media accounts or a website, like all those things yeah. should all reflect this brand that you want to put forward um, and whatever it is that you want to represent. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to choose something and stick with it forever. I think you can change over time and you probably should because, um, you know, everyone's taste changes or they have like new discoveries and they become better at certain things and everything kind of shifts. But like having a brand in any particular time could be as simple as um, having your web presence, your social media accounts, anything that anyone could look up about you online, reflect whatever it is, the, mes the message that you want to like convey about yourself as a filmmaker. Yeah, and I and, and when you say things like it shouldn't, you know, it doesn't need to stay the same over time. I feel like I think of like Steven Spielberg, who was his his brand was kind of like these blockbusters, um, you know, blockbuster yeah. summer blockbusters was Steven Spielberg, and then he did Schindler's List, and that was off brand for him, and so much so that he, I, I don't think he took a director's fee because he believed in it so much, um, so it was off brand for him, and it didn't hurt him. Uh, it showed that he was a great director. Um, he's gone on to do more, you know, uh, Schindler's List type movies like Munich and stuff like that. But he still has this idea of being the summer blockbuster director who did things like, uh, you know, Ready Player One and stuff like that. But he deviated from his brand a long. It took a long time after he had developed and sustained his brand for a long time because Hollywood doesn't like to take chances. That's why there's so many reboots and remakes and. They want to know that if they got an uh, uh, if they got a horror movie they want to direct, they're going to go for the guy who does a lot of horror movies because that's their brand and they know that that person can handle it. Um, yeah, and that's why it's so hard to get people to move away from their brand because it's playing it safe and moving away from your brand is a risk. Um, but you you can do it. Um, so this is something that's set in stone. But if you're starting out, know what kind of movies you want to do. Like 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 I said, me and Alex love horror movies. We love sci-fi movies. Most of the stuff we're writing is. Uh, horror or sci-fi or a mix of both. Um, and then if you look at our list of ideas, I have a drama in there about World War uh, One. Um, so it's like, you know, that probably won't get made. And then I have a, I, I have an idea about my great-grandfather who was a bootlegger. Not horror, not sci-fi. And those will probably not easily get made if we are in the horror genre and pushing to be horror. But eventually we'll have enough, hopefully, clout that we can get those made that are off-brand for us. Yeah, I also think that um, it doesn't necessarily have to boil down to genres either. Like you could, mm -mm. one could say that, um, you know, Spielberg hit a lot of genres. I mean, he did Poltergeist, right? He yeah. did like mm -hmm. um, E.T., which I guess is like a sci-fi-ish family. He did Close Encounters. He did um, Jaws. Um, but then, like you said, he's also done dramas and stuff. But I think... What the thing about Spielberg, because he's had such like a big body of work, you understand what a Spielberg uh, vibe is. Like you, you can almost like yeah. kind of despite like regardless of the genre, you can tell like different Spielberg. Uh, 
I don't know, like themes and tones. Like he has a lot of like family uh, themes in his movies mm-hmm. and um, his style as a director, like the shots that he chooses and camera movements that he, he puts in and things like that. Um, it's, it's a style that is very much like Spielberg, even though he mm-hmm. does like go through different genres at the same time. So like Trevor and I, like we do like sci-fi horror, but one could also say that, you know, maybe what we actually want to be our brand might be um, like building like suspense and mystery and how we are able to sort of like, like build tension and how we do that as filmmakers, that could also be our brand, even though, um, you know, we do so within kind of like the same similar genres. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think if you look at like, if you, I think that goes back to this idea of our tour is that they have brands. Like you got Hitchcock, you got Kubrick. These are like styles like Kubrick did war movies, sci-fi movies, um, twisted kind of horror, I guess you could say eyes wide shut is. Um, but they all had the, the I mean, you did period pieces with uh, Barry Lyndon, yeah. but they all have the style and the, 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 the brand of Kubrick. Like, you know, that's a Kubrick movie just based on, on its contents, its style and its delivery. Totally, totally. So I think um, for a filmmaker who wants to just start building a brand for themselves, um, I do think that there's certain things that are important. One of them is um, definitely consistency, uh, Mm -hmm. because I think ultimately, like the human brain works on patterns. Like I think we we can all pretty much agree that that's true. I mean, like it, it comes down to the idea that um, you can look at sort of like a, uh, a cloud and see an animal. It's like, it understands these patterns that it, it knows. And because of that, um, if you as a, a filmmaker um, create these patterns around yourself, then you will become sort of like uh, more memorable and people will associate you with those things because there's a repeatable pattern. And I think, um, like we said, you can start that right now, even if you don't have um, like a large body of work like Spielberg or Kubrick to sort of like point to, you can do it through um, the design of your uh, like website even, you know, like if you you want to have like a mystery tone or let's say a comedy tone, like having that in your website and having like a consistent voice as like a comedic um, uh, creator uh, will that like goes from your website. And then once you do have a body of work, it is consistent with that tone that you've set up on your website. Um, That kind of thing is what's going to create like a lasting brand and impression for people. So then they'll know um, if you're going to pitch a project to like a studio or an executive, Mm -hmm they'll know exactly yeah. what they're getting into because like, even if they've never seen anything that you've done uh, because it's so clear in the messaging that you've put out there. So, yeah, I mean, you could really look into you. I mean, we could dig deep, deep, deep into this. You can look at the psychological like um, effects of certain colors and certain color schemes, um, you know, uh, uh, for your website and you know, that will convey what your style and what your uh, kind of uh tone is for your movies um like just to step outside the box like 
for the longest time growing up, McDonald's was red and yellow interior and exterior because red and yellow, uh, got the body, got people to like move, like they wanted people in and out. They didn't want people sitting around. And so the red and yellow were well known to like get people to like disperse kind of thing. And then once they realized, wait, if we have people stay there, they'll probably go back up and order some more stuff and make, we'll make more money off them. And you'll see, and you saw McDonald's switching to like neutral tones and calming tones, like your living room and your dining room tones and all that. So there's a lot of like, you, we could go deep into this of creating your brand in terms of a website and the colors you use and the layout you use that can convey the tone and style that you have for your projects. Yeah. You also bring up an interesting point with, with McDonald's, um, really, really any brand that you're aware of, like what's the key, um, aspect of it. Like you can see those, that yellow M and just immediately mm -hmm. know that it's McDonald's. Like you don't have to, it doesn't yeah. have to say McDonald's. And that's like, yeah. you know, through years and years and years of, of you, sort of experiencing that in all sorts of different ways. But imagine the power of that same concept with you as either a filmmaker or a production company um, yeah. so that your logo, or let's say if you're a single filmmaker, you want to have like, um, I don't know, some kind of word mark or signature type of thing that you put on your pitch decks that you put on your, um, your website, you put on your business cards and all that kind of stuff. That is, uh, when someone sees that, they know exactly who it is or, or, or what type of project And it what is they're probably going to get. And probably yeah. what they're going to get. So it creates this, again, it's about like consistency. It's like comfort. That's the thing about these, mm -hmm. these brands is um, that's so strong. Like, why do people keep going back to Walmart? It's because there's like a, yeah. there's like a comfort to it uh, because you know exactly what you're going to get. Whereas you could go to like mm -hmm. some sort of mom and pop shop down the street that you've never heard of, but you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. You don't know if they're going to have the things that you want. You don't know if like the customer service is going to be the same or if the prices are going to be more expensive. And so yeah, you kind of like build up this reputation um, that lulls people into this sense of um, like calm and comfort around your brand so that they keep coming back over and over again. Yeah, I mean, two examples I can think of. One being spot on to what you're saying when it comes to logo and all that. Put up the bad robot logo. You don't even have to put bad robot uh, uh, yeah. under it. Put the, that boxy robot in the grassy field. You know it's a J.J. Abrams. You know what you're probably going to get, even if he just produced it. Um, and then on the other flip side is like, you could be, you could have a brand that people don't even realize is your brand until they deep in, dive into it. Uh, Alex had posted on Fearless Filmmakers, who is your favorite cinematographer. And I thought of all these movies that, oh my God, I like that cinematography, like that cinematography, that's that cinematography. And every, every time I looked up the cinematographer, it was Deacons. And I'm like, well, there you go. That like, of course it's Deacons yeah. because like, that's his, that's his style. And I like that style. So without even like putting it out there, like, like, you know, a Deacons, a Deacons picture, yeah. just being consistent, people will be like, will connect with it without even knowing why they're connecting with it until they do a little more deep dive into it and say, wait a second, I like it because it's Deacons and Deacons has done all these. Um, yeah, it's true. And, and, so and that, to that's that point, how you ingrain your brand. Yeah, exactly. And to that point too, I think one thing that Deacons has done extremely well is understanding what exactly it is that people are liking, you know, and, and repeating it. Uh, because like, especially early on, like you won't know per se, like exactly what it is um, that people are connecting with uh, or you may yeah. not know, 
but it's like crucial for you to investigate it and understand why people like whatever it is that you did, whether it's cinematography, yeah. writing, directing, um, so that you can expand upon that and like really dial it in and um, sort of like double down on those things. Um, because ultimately at the end of the day, um, that having like everything that you do successfully become your brand is like the jackpot, like with DK, yeah. it's like he does amazing. Like he's probably one of the greatest cinematographers of all time. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't know why I, I'm not exactly sure someone could like pinpoint it down because like a lot of DPs do similar things. Um, but I think for some reason there is, he has like this, he's, he's built such like a brand about something very specific that we can't necessarily put our fingers on, but he does it yeah. so well and he does it over and over and over again. So here's a question for you. You said like you do things over and over again and then people like it and then you like, you grab onto that and you do it. So what about, so that's, that brings me to my question of like uh, Fincher. So Fincher nice. He does something that he, that like, I don't know if people like it. It's almost like he likes it and he doesn't give a damn. He's going to do it in every movie. And that's the, like the digital pass through of things, like through mm -hmm. objects, yeah. the camera going like, um, I think of uh panic room where the camera comes through the flashlight and pulls back to reveal them flashing uh flashlight on like the one hole in their panic room to try and alert the neighbors. Um, yeah. I, there, he does it in almost every movie he does. Sure. And I don't know if I've ever talked to someone who's like, holy shit, I love that. Like him doing that, key. Because I don't think it really adds anything to the story. So what do you think about like doing a branding that you just like? Um, just because, hey, you know what? I like it and screw what they think. Well, here's what I would say to that is if it came down to it and he kept doing that over and over again and everyone hated it, I think that'd be a bad move. But if, if people like it or or don't care, then yeah, don't care. <laughs> then it's irrelevant. And I think also what it does, in a way, is is create almost like a mark where you can look at something and say, "Huh, I wonder if this is Fincher because he did that thing uh, that Fincher does all the time." Um, yeah. And so it, it's again almost like a, whether you like it or not, or you think it's, uh, or you're just like neutral on it. Um, yeah. It's almost like a. Uh, a hook that he can sort of like throw out there that people might gravitate to or not. And, but he can say that like, Oh yeah, that's my thing. And, uh, you, you know, this is my movie because I did it. Um, yeah. So it might be a calling card that nobody really cares about and he just likes it and it doesn't yeah. take away from the movie. So he's like, whatever. Yeah. I, but again, I think the key, the key is if, if people hated it, like you got to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, that's true. It's like, if you know, it doesn't the last thing you want story. is your calling card to be something that people hate, you know, <laughs> like literally. Like, uh, okay. 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 Uh, uh, oh, I hate doing this. So something like giving yourself a role in a, your movie when everyone can say that you're kind of a bad actor a la M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say Quentin card. Tarantino. Um, yes. Oh, uh. <laughs> I think Quentin's okay. I mean, he was kind of bad in Django Unchained. Oh. He's fine. But, I mean, but, like, he's not as bad as M. Night Shyamalan. Um, That's true. Okay, so, yes. 
yes, that could be a thing that, um, you know, if if you really hate it, obviously it's going to like deter you from ever going to either of their movies. But right? it won't. Like it won't. Like maybe it's just because we're not like we're hardcore movie fans. We're not the casual viewer where they're like, ew, why? But see, that's the thing is I feel like the casual viewer in that instance, like I wonder how many casual viewers actually know that that's M. Night Shyamalan, you know? He played, he, that's true too. He's such that's like, point. he goes for the small parts, you know, that you would never notice. Whereas Tarantino, I feel like, likes to, yeah. likes to be sort of at the front a little bit. Like he doesn't star in his own movies, but he likes to be characters that are supposedly supposed to be more memorable. Whereas like M. Night is like, I'm going to be the doctor in this one scene and that's it. Except, except, except he started getting a little cocky. And when he was in signs about the guy who killed Mel Gibson's wife, and oh. he has that whole scene, the whole scene about I'm going to the water. They don't like the water. I captured one in my in my uh, pantry. Ah, uh, 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 just made me cringe so bad because it was so bad. It was so it was so flat. Like I'm 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 really sorry about what I did to you and your family. It's true. I, did, I didn't it's true. mean it. Um, I get it. So yes, again, I think if people hate it, like don't do it. But yeah, the one yeah. thing that I think it does really well yeah. for him in particular is yeah. as like a viewer, if you're aware of it, um, and as uh-huh. a filmmaker, especially, you get this vibe from him that he's like making, it's just, it's fun for him, right? Like he's making these movies yeah. that he wants to make, like, True. and he's doing it True. his way. And, you know, like he's self-financed, uh, um, what was it? That Split. signs uh, sequel himself or not signs what am i talking about the um glass glass yes so it's like he's doing this all on his own it's just it's him as i think a he, no i think he actually i think he financed split that's right and because it did so well they did glass and he didn't have to finance it but he put like his house up on uh he took a mortgage out on his house that's for, right. for split and all that yeah and so you get this vibe um, as like he's a scrappy filmmaker doing what he wants to do, which includes being true. in your own movie even when you aren't that good, <laughs> right? So like there's yeah. it's possible that one could look at that and see it as like a cool thing even if they acknowledge that he's not like a an amazing actor or probably yeah. the person that should have gotten that part if one were to cast yeah. it. Um but yeah. um it 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 again I think his brand is more like um, fun mysteries um, that yeah. are kind of spooky with a twist. With a twist, um, yeah. But he has this kind of like homemade, like I've gone out and just made this kind of vibe. Even though it's polished, yeah. it's not like a home movie or anything. But like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to warn you, Alex, that at some point our brand is going to become having a homeless person. Uh, in every one of our movies and said homeless person will be played by my dad because he has mentioned to me many times. He just wants to be in a movie as a homeless person. So okay. prepare yourself for that. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to say, we into- I thought you were going to say it was going to be you after Jen kicks you out. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, that'd be the happiest homeless person right there. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay. So now, now you've created your brand and maybe you've done a couple projects that are on brand for you. You've done your website, um, stuff like that. So how do you promote you and your brand? Like, how do you get your, your brand in front of people who have the power and the money to give you a career, um, you know, to, to make you the next David Fincher or Spielberg or something like that? Yeah. So I think, um, 
as usual, it's all the normal stuff. Like we're not, this is not groundbreaking info, I'm afraid. Uh, because literally it comes <laughs> down to the same way everyone else does. Um, and when you're talking about, um, you know, having, if you're going in for pitch meetings and stuff like that, a lot of times mm -hmm. you leave behind, you give them what's called like a leave behind or whatever. And it's like, mm -hmm. a, whether it's a, uh, maybe like a postcard flyer type thing, or it's a pitch deck, or it's some type of, um, you know, maybe a business plan or whatever, like material yeah. you've brought with you, like a presentation, maybe, I don't know, something that you're leaving behind that has imagery and it has um, your name on it and it has all these things. So that's like the perfect opportunity to mm -hmm. implement your branding in something that they're going to have and see um, and potentially keep. Hopefully for a while. For a while yeah. and then over and over again. So if you keep going back and pitching, it's the same every time. Not the same material, but the same brand and same branding. Yeah. Um, same style. Like they, you could look at a pitch deck of three different pitch decks and be like, oh, this all comes from Alex and Trevor. Exactly. Like, and so then yeah, I get this. you tie because it in. Because it says right on the front by Alex and Trevor. <laughs> yeah. That's our brand. It says on the front page in normal font <laughs> times New Roman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even on our business cards on the front, it says by Alex and by Trevor. By Alex and, and Trevor over times New Roman. There's no other info on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Comic Sans sometimes are feeling crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's for our comedy brand. Um, <laughs> Trevor now comedy duo. <laughs> um, but if you then, so if you are going in for these pitch meetings and yeah. you're implementing your branding that way, it would just make sense to have the same branding on your website, have the same branding in the yeah. signature of your emails, have the same branding on your business cards so that when yeah. um, people see it, they just know, you know, or they, they say, I've seen that before. What's that from? And then they can sort of like put it together. And eventually they won't have to put it together because it'll just be at the top of their mind in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think plus if you're talking about non-narrative, right? Like we're talking about narrative mm -hmm. stuff here, like indie films or like trying to pitch your project to studios. But if you're talking about services, you as a production company creating like promo videos or, or like trying to advertise mm -hmm. yourself as a production company, as a service, it's the same exact yeah. thing when you go to talk to companies that you're trying to pitch your services to, or if you want to create an ad like on Facebook or a YouTube ad or whatever, it's the same thing where you want to have this consistency of your brand um, be something that is always ever present in all those promotional aspects that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. It's a visual medium. And so you have to make yourself visual even when you don't have any like film or promo stuff to show so that they know, you know, your ads look the same, your your everything looks the same. Just keep everything consistent is basically the, the, the biggest takeaway. Like figure out how you want your you to come off as a treat yourself as a product. How do you want to come off to the general public? And keep consistent with that. If you're, you know, emailing people, like you said, the signature at the bottom, maybe an image in the signature, um, that is uh, is huge. It, there's a lot of things you can do that keep your uh, brand consistent and um, not even recognizable, but just over eventually time recognizable. recognizable. Yeah. yeah, eventually. Yeah, That's the idea. And yeah. so now Trevor um, has put yeah. in our... Uh, 
in our outline. <laughs> Alex is like, hey, yeah. He wants to dive into this hot debate. Oh, man. Oh, man. About whether or not, if you haven't yet established yourself, <laughs> whether or not it's a good idea to yeah. do free projects to build yeah. up your brand and reputation. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, I, this is a debate that'll go on, that could go across every topic you talk about when, in filmmaking, especially if, like Alex said, when we've talked about a lot, well, how do you build your brand if you don't have any examples to show and all that? And, you know, the question is, do you do some free music videos? Do you do some free promos? To, you know, granted, you could do ones that, that will pay you, but you may not have as much freedom to stay on your brand if you are getting paid. It's the back to the idea of Steven Spielberg and Schindler's List. He did that basically for free because it was off brand and they didn't know if they would it would work. And, you know, in that instance he got points in the back end and it all worked out because it's Steven Spielberg. But like like the idea of doing stuff for free, we asked this on fearless filmmakers as well. Like, is that just part of the business when you're starting off or is it something that's exploitative? Um, you know, what, what, do you, how do you feel about doing like, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot. I'm not saying like spend the next year just doing free projects, like one short, like if you want to be a cinematographer, like one short where you just have complete control over the cinematography and get to do your color scheme, your, your style, your lighting style and all that. Do you think it's worth it or do you think it's just a waste of your time? Are you asking me? Or are you asking the listeners? Well, we have no listeners, so I'm asking you. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> so this is something that comes up all the time. And um, there's mm -hmm. a fellow. If you're on Facebook, you've probably experienced a fellow. I'm not going to call him out because I don't think he wants to be known. Well, he probably does want to be known as the guy who yeah. is like an advocate for people's um, employment rights. But he mm -hmm. will appear on Facebook groups. And when people are posting about like shooting you know, bootstrapping your projects and all that kind of stuff, talking about how one should not go out and look for people to work on projects for free. Uh, because, you know, it's an industry, there's labor laws, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of like one argument against it. Now, I, got, I, know, I guess I don't know who this guy is. Okay, well... I will introduce you to him, and uh, maybe okay. oh, maybe we should have him on the podcast. We can have like a oh, debate about man. it. That'd be that'd be hilarious. Um, okay, well, you'll tell me after. Tell me after. So, but my uh, my personal views on it are, mm -hmm. um, when it comes to trying to build up a reel or things like that, yeah, you don't mm -hmm. necessarily need to do an entire project, right? Like reels or scenes. Reels are mm -hmm. um, like shots. So you can go out and do these things for free mm -hmm. with like groups of friends, people you know that you don't have to like venture out into yeah. like go to like Mandy and, um, you know, get and hire people to work for free. You don't yeah. have to yeah. like go to Actors Access and try to find actors that you don't know to work for free. You can sort of like use your network of people that are yeah. happy to do it because it's fun and they want to do it. Um, and you can go about yeah. it that way. Um, okay. But I I think, personally, when it comes okay. to creating a project that you intend to make money with, 
right? Mm -hmm. So it's a full project, complete, not just a scene. Um, you intend to make money with it. Either you need to pay people or you need to give them uh, points on the back end. But the thing about yeah. the points on the back end aspect, which you could like argue this forever, because like even SAG allows you to do this with their with their union yeah. actors. Uh, but like most of the time, it, it's never going to happen, right? Like, you nope. There's never going to be points on the back end for these people to really like make yeah. it worth their time. Um, so yeah. it's almost like a get out of jail free card for a lot of people. So my mm -hmm. my personal thought is, and this is kind of what Trevor and I do for the most part. Like, we do everything ourselves until there's a point which we can't do it ourselves, at which point we hire the people. So, like, Trevor yeah. hates doing sound. <laughs> I'll do it if I have to. He'll do, he'll do it, and he has done it. But if yep. we have the opportunity, we'll get a professional to do it, and we'll pay them. Um, yes, and it's it's kind of like that's how we work, where we, it, oftentimes we're working for free, or um, mm -hmm. if it's a project that we want to see, like we're not going to pay ourselves um, because ultimately it's just about getting the project made for the purpose of um, showing what we can do or whatever. Um, so yeah. we're happy to do it for free for ourselves. But if we're going to yeah. have to hire like a professional, then we're going to pay that person. Yeah. Right. And I guess I mostly think like, I don't think so much of like working for free on a project for like a year, like a feature, which if, if you're working for free, it's probably going to take a year only because you have to do it around people's schedule because people actually have to make money doing something else, that kind of stuff. I was thinking more like a short, like, do you do a short for free um, to like get a brand out there? Um, you know, something like that. Well, again, I think it, if you're going to try to go out and get like a bunch of like real crew members and like people that actually yeah. are working in the industry, I think you're going to probably be met with some, um, Oh yeah. With, with some feistiness because, Oh God. Yeah. Because you're going to be asking people whose livelihood depends on them making money to work for free on your thing that you believe in and only you. So like, which, so ultimately yeah. at the end of the day, again, I think if you're going to do it, it's got to be with a group of people, a group of people that you know really well, um, that you believe in, and they believe in you. Um, yeah. And so it comes down to you being a more effective uh, networker, aka like going like if you if you know that you want to like direct something, but you don't know how to shoot, you know you don't have, don't know how to light, like go out and and network with with DPs and befriend them, like become like real, yeah. like get, have real relationships with them where you yeah. can, you can sort of like, uh, you know, float it by them and it won't like necessarily be such a, such a, I don't know, an assault against, uh, their I profession. Mean, there's a, there's a lot of reasons that you see the same directors working with the same actors and the same, uh, DPs and stuff like, and editors is because they like them and they're friends and they just like, they have a more than just a professional relationship there. They have a friendship. And a lot of times that'll work out like a, an actor will take a little less pay just to get the movie done because they like the director and they, um, and they like the project. Um, I think it's easier said than done when you're, um, you know, when you're 
like in your thirties and all that, and you're, you, you got to pay the bills with your, with your film career. Um, I think working for free and building that up start, if you start early, you could probably get away with it more. If you're in film school or just out of film school, you'll get a lot more people who'd be willing to work for free because they, they have the same idea as you is they want to use the experience to get them a job or get them a career and stuff like that. But I do think that in this day and age, it's going to be very hard pressed to find some people to do your project for free or you to do your project for free. If you have bills to pay um, just to build your brand. And so I think it's, it, it may help in the sense of like, using your friends, but it's a lot easier to do it when you're younger and out of college or still in college. Yeah. And I will say, if you want to do it, just to give you a yeah. little, a little hint here, um, mm -hmm. if you're in LA or New York yeah, uh, or Chicago yeah. or any of those mm -hmm. major places, yeah, the best thing I think, Boise, Idaho, Boise, Idaho, um, yeah. the best thing you can do is become involved in communities where there's other people who are in the same boat, you know? Mm -hmm. um, for yeah. example, my wife is an actress and she for a long time was a part of an acting um, school in LA. And it was filled with actors who, people who were just wanting to be actors, some people wanted to be filmmakers, some people wanted to be writers. But there's this whole group of people who are all sort of in the same mode and they're all different ages, right? Like it's not just people out of college. There's like full grown adults. There's like, yeah. um, you know, people in their fifties, sixties, <laughs> people adults. in their eighties, like all different ages. Right. But they all have the same sort of passion and drive. Like they're doing it um, for themselves and they are happy. They're like are eager yeah. to partner with people. Um, and in that way, I like through my wife, I wasn't, I didn't even attend this school, but like through her, there's been, there were many people who, you know, Trevor and I have both worked with, um, on mm -hmm. their projects. Um, they worked on our projects. Um, and it's just sort of like this community of people who want the same things. Um, and you're able to sort of work together for those goals. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one way you can do get away to build your brand without spending a lot of money if you're just starting out to build your brand, um, if that's something you realize you needed to do and haven't done it yet. Um, so there are some ways you can do it cheaply, but at the same time, um, people got, got to get paid. People got to get paid. Yeah. And now I think the one last thing that we should maybe just touch on, because we kind of talked mm -hmm. about it, styling. Yeah. Yeah. Know, your social profiles and your website and creating like word marks and logos and like all these things. How is one going to do that if one is not a designer? Right. Like how can yeah. one like um, get a logo or like a signature or something memorable that they can put on their business cards and all that kind of stuff um, mm -hmm. when they themselves aren't able to do it. Um, maybe you don't have like illustrator or, Photoshop skills, or maybe you don't yeah. know how to like create a website and all that kind of stuff. So how can you do it? I think, yeah. um, one good, there's, there's so many different like avenues out there for you to go. Mm -hmm. Um, there's 99 designs, I think is one of them yeah. where you can sort of like give a, uh, a prompt for people, tell them what you want. Our, our friend, um, mm -hmm. our friend Logan actually did that for his production company and, 
was mm. sent like dozens of designs by different designers. Then you choose the one that essentially is like the winner, and then that person gets paid for it. Um, yep. There's also things like Fiverr, which yep. you can have varied results with. So be careful yeah. with that one. Um, yeah. There's also uh, things definitely like, look at the person's past work. Yeah. On Fiverr and make sure that yeah. it's real. Um, there's also yeah. um, things like Upwork, which I think still exists, or like Elance. Think so. Um, maybe mm -hmm. they combine. I don't even know. But um, basically, it's sort of like free hiring freelancers, remote digital freelancers. Okay. Yep. So you can like search yep. for designers, both web designers, logo designers, like all different kinds, and basically say like, yeah. "Here's my budget," and you promote, you uh, mm -hmm. put up like a a job and say like, "Okay, I have, I don't know." like a thousand bucks total that I'm going to spend. I need a website. I need a logo. I need all these things or whatever. And um, you'll have certain people pitch for the job and give you their proposed budget. If it doesn't align up with what you um, have proposed. So, yep. you know, there's different options out there for that type of stuff. Uh, you don't have to yep. be like a master designer to start building a brand. Um, but I do think it's important for your brand to be artfully put together. Like you don't, you don't want your entire brand to be based on some, some type of like, uh, I don't know, poor quality, uh, image or something that you've kind of like scraped together, even though you don't have the skills as a designer. Well, we talked about that in episode, um, I think it was at 54, uh, about things that we spot that tells us that it's, that to our it sends off the signals that it's a cheaply made uh, film or short and all that. And that's the, the title, the company card is just really poorly put together. Um, yeah. So it just expands on that. Like if, if the, if the first thing people see is something that's like remedially done um, in MS paint or something like that, um, they're going to get turned off. It's like, it's like the first 10 pages of a script. If something doesn't happen, then, you know, people are going to be like, ah, whatever. It's the same with your brand when it comes to logo and, and website and stuff like that. If they go onto it and see something that's poorly put together, they're like, well, this person can't, I, I don't want to work with this person or yeah. I don't want to use this person because this is what they're, this is their, their digital face that they're putting out. Exactly. It, it represents you as a whole. And as much as you, you know, it can work for you, can equally work against you if you have like mm -hmm. a, a poorly constructed uh, brand and branding options. So I think it's important. Yep. Put the time into it. Put the money into it if you have to. Um, yeah. And get it done right. Shouldn't be that expensive. Shouldn't be that expensive. And get it done right the first time so you don't have to try to scrub the internet of your poor uh, branding choices. Exactly. Um all right, I think that's actually going to do it for this episode. What do you think? I think that's it. All right, so thank you so much for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. If you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comments section and we will try to answer them. Also, if you're in the giving mood, head on over to nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash beer and buy us a beer and we'll give you a shout-out in the next mm. episode. Like Brandon Delicious. Hammond. Yes. Thank you again, Brandon. Also, don't forget to head over to fearlessfilmmakers.com to join our growing community of filmmakers, and we will see you guys next time. Later.